Well, hey there, I'm Liz St. Jean, and this is the Rise in Your 9 to 5 podcast, where I help quietly ambitious leaders who want to have meaningful and fulfilling careers, making an impact in the world. It's where strategy meets intuition to become a better leader with more joy, less stress, and endless impact. So let's break free from perfectionism, imposter thoughts, and that inner rule keeper that keeps you in a career comfort zone. It's time to become unapologetically you and step into the life you are meant to live. We're going to talk presence, productivity, and having it all. Or as my four-year-old would say, we're going to take over the world. So let's get to it. Well, hello there. Welcome back to the show. I know it's been a, a hot minute since we've had an episode. And some of you may know this from being in my programs, um, but I've had quite a bit of a, a cough and I've actually lost my voice a couple of times over the past month. So that is why we went on in a bit of an unplanned hiatus. But we are back. I'm so glad to be back here with you and so glad you're here with me. Before I kick things off, I wanted to let you know that I did work on something though over this last month since our last episode, and I would love for you to check it out. It is called the Imposter Syndrome Workbook for Mid-Level Leaders, and that you can get that at themintambition.com slash workbook. You should absolutely check it out. It is a compilation of some of my best activities around overcoming imposter syndrome, and I use a framework that I very, very tongue-in-cheek called the perfect system. So go check that out. It's a fantastic workbook for you to really think through, give you some reflections. It's very comprehensive, and I highly encourage you to use it whatever way works for you. So for some of you, you love to just dive in and really dig into it. You're going to want to do every single exercise one by one by one. That's for some of you. And some of you are more like you want to jump around and I'm laughing because that's me. That's how I approach. That's how I tackle workbooks often is I just go from piece to piece and whatever makes sense to me. So whether you're completely step by step, you're completely jump around or somewhere in between the two, or depending on how you feel when you get it, you use it however you like. So again, that's at themintambition.com slash workbook, the imposter syndrome workbook for mid-level leaders. Go check it out. Okay, let's get into today's episode. So if you saw the title, you know that today's episode is about something that I like to call prefectionism. Now, I personally have never heard this term before uh, that I can recall, at least. Perhaps I came across it and it stuck with me subconsciously, or perhaps it's just a phrase that I started using. Whatever the case, it's one that really resonated for me. So I wanted to share it for those of you who also might be prefectionists along with me. The idea came from, <laughs> to tell you the story. So the idea actually came out of a fight that I had with my therapist. So funny. So this was a therapist this is actually not my current therapist who I'm working with. And as an aside, if I, I don't think therapy has the same stigma it used to, but if it does, I just want to really encourage everyone to explore it. It's such a fantastic resource, um, just like coaching is and mentoring and all the other ways that we can get help and support. 
therapist can be so wonderful for us. <laughs> so I was working with the therapist just a few years back and we didn't work together for very long. I will, I will admit we kind of got into a bit of an argument because he, I was, I forget even what I was telling him about, but he just kind of looked at me. And I mean, this is one of the reasons I loved it. Well, I felt a little bit of judgment. Anyways, he looked at me, he's like, oh yeah, your perfectionism. And I looked at him, I was like, well, I don't really identify as a perfectionist. He's like, well, you're describing perfectionism. Like, well, I don't, and we, we kind of got into an argument. So yes, I am the kind of person who will apparently argue with therapists about terminology. Oh, so good. Anyhow, that conversation, though, it really kind of um, it got me thinking, got my my reels turning. So I was like, well, why don't I identify as a perfectionist? And I know a lot of people listening, uh, a lot of people in my audience do identify as perfectionists and, you know, uh, reach out to me, send me a note or a DM if that's you, because I really want to bring in some experts around this. This would be really fun for us to dig into and perfectionism, and especially for leaders and moving into that mid-level leadership role. So side note, reach out to me. Or you can go to themintambition.com slash ideas to share the topics that you want me to cover. So side note on that. The reason that perfectionism really didn't identify for me is that every time I read about it, it didn't strike a chord because I'm just, I, I've never really been the kind of person to have um, held back or hesitated too much because it, I ha- it had to be, quote, perfect. And that's always, my brain always saw that as being perfectionism. What I had, and so the reason I call it perfectionism, and I still have it. So for me, what I realized and how I thought about it was that I realized I had very high expectations of myself even before I had ever done something. I somehow thought that I should just be good at it without ever having tried, without ever having practiced, without ever having gone through a training. And so I call that Prefectionism, right? You expect yourself to be, quote, perfect at something before you've ever tried. And that to me felt different than perfectionism. And the problem that I noticed for myself and then for clients who really identify with this as well, with prefectionism, the challenge we run into is that, you know, we don't necessarily hold back, we do it, but we get into a cycle of basically beating ourselves up when we're not great at something before we've ever done it. And an even bigger problem is if you end up getting into a habit of holding back. So not necessarily hesitating or avoiding, although that, I mean, that could also happen for perfectionism as much as perfectionism. But what might end up happening is staying very much in your comfort zone, really playing it safe because you don't want to fail. That to me goes very much hand in hand with perfectionism. Okay. And this is really challenging. If you are going into a leadership role, into that mid-level leadership role, especially if you are recently promoted, so you're into this whole new level, right? Lots of things are new. And if you have perfectionism, you can, it can almost feel like things are getting tighter and tighter and tighter around you, which are going to keep you at the center of your comfort zone, right? So I want you almost to imagine yourself, like look around you, literally look around you and imagine that you right now you're in the middle. And if you don't move, you're in a comfort zone, like, okay, I can do this. And the further and further away you would step from that place is further away from your comfort zone. 
all the way to the edge where you start getting into growth zone. You start getting into what I call the courage zone. And as you go further and further away from that place, whatever direction, it doesn't really matter, right? It's a circle around you. As you go further and further, at some point, there be, they become, becomes a point where you, you might fail, right? You're doing new things. We might fail, right? It might not go well. I don't think we should pretend that everything is going to go well. That is just going to reinforce that perfectionism, right? That expectation that it should just go well. No, there is a place where at some point you're going to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, and it won't go well. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Because here's the thing. The further away you get from your comfort zone, and I, and I know that you know this. I'm not only repeating things that you know here, but it's the further we get out of our comfort zone, the stronger we make ourselves. We are strengthening our courage muscle, right? If you keep taking actions and making decisions and you are never failing, nothing is ever going wrong, everything seems to go well, everything just continues on, I would argue that you are not going far enough away from your comfort zone, okay? That to me is a signal that you haven't pushed out of your comfort zone. So that's not to say that we should go around looking for failure. There is such a thing as good failure, bad failure. I'm going to do an episode about Amy Emmonson's new book about this. It's fantastic. I've just started to read it. I haven't read the whole thing though. Once I've read the whole thing, I'll do more of a review. But even just in the intro, like even before chapter one, it just blew my mind at how succinctly she framed all of this, which is that there are different kinds of failure. Okay. And we do want to fail. We want to make sure we're failing at the right things in the right areas, right? So I'm not arguing that failure for just for failure's sake, but I would argue, I would submit to you if you if you have not had many failures, if you haven't had any significant failures, and if you haven't had any failures recently, then you're probably sticking to your comfort zone. This might be what's happening. It might not be. Um, I'm open to hearing other alternatives, but that's a lot of time what happens especially when we have perfectionism, when we expect ourselves to be good ahead of time, we know that we're going to beat ourselves up. It's just absolutely natural that we then keep ourselves into that center of that circle, as close to the center as possible to keep ourselves from failing, okay? And that doesn't strengthen us as much, right? And we're not going to take as many risks. And here's the thing, now that you're in a mid-level role, and I'm sure you know this already, but now that you're in a mid-level role, things are way more ambiguous. There, it, it's not as simple as it used to be. It's not, it's, so it's not. Let me give you that permission to recognize it is not as simple as it used to be. Okay? We do need to have courage. We need to practice taking risk. And we need to be able to get back up after falling down, after failure. That is, an inc- is a critical, incredible skill to be able to pick yourself back up after falling down. And I'll tell you a little story that hopefully resonates. It's it's kind of a cute story too. It's about last year when I started going skiing with my son. So he's a little little guy at the the time. Well, he's still a little guy, but he was a little guy just starting to ski. Um, I've skied majority of my life and took lots and lots of lessons in that and had to learn how to ski. And my my kiddo gets, I think he gets a bit of my perfectionism because he was sh- showing that he just thought he should be able to ski. 
And he was getting really upset at not being able to ski, not being able to turn, not being able to do anything. And we'd only gone up a couple of times. And then he was getting really upset about falling. Like he was really, really upset that he was falling. Um, he just wanted to ski. And he says, you know, mom, mommy, mommy, I'm, you know, really upset and crying. And when I told him, you know, once we, you know, I gave him his kisses and his snuggles and we were kind of hugging and kind of sitting on the slopes and watching some others and he had calmed and I just said to him, like, honey, falling, that's part of learning how to ski. It means you're learning how to ski. And he just kind of looked at me and I could see he was listening and we just let it go. And then we kept going kept trying and he was falling, but he was also learning and growing, right? Just what I was talking about before, okay? But here's the cute part of the story. And here's the, the moment, and hopefully this really lands for you as well, is that he was, we were at the top of the slope and then we had paused. There was someone else who was um, actually uh, more of an older teenager, young adult, you know, looked like they hadn't really skied before. So they were learning and they were falling and they were getting really upset. <laughs> and my little guy, little five-year-old, kind of makes his way over to them and pats them on the back, kind of pats them and the person looks up at them. And my kiddo says, it's okay, you're learning how to ski. And it was just, oh, just melt your heart moment as a parent. So what I want you to take from that is take that phrasing. And I want you to remember, you know, falling is how you learn. You know, becoming a mid-level leader, it's tricky. You've got your leadership version of learning how to stand on your skis, how to stand in that new role, how to na navigate the slope. So when you're skiing, you have to learn how to do your turns and your curves. It's the same thing with your mid-level leadership. This is different. This is new. You've got new organizational politics that you're working around. You are managing up and down and across. You're influencing. And especially... We don't hear about it as much, but I really do believe we are at a time in organizations where you kind of have old school way of doing things and the new school way of doing things. So a new school way of leadership is an empowering, supportive, encouraging, visionary, right? Like all those things that we just implicitly associate with leadership. And I'm sure everyone, everyone in a leadership role could probably pass a test on all those things, whether or not they believe it is a different matter. Because that comes up against the old school way of leading, right? I tell you what to do. Listen to me. I know best. I'm going to give you feedback, et cetera, et cetera. Side note, if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and check out the very spicy episode about feedback that Petra and I, a conversation with Petra and myself and our thoughts on feedback if you want to get into uh, our thoughts on the old school style. But there is this old school style that is still out there. It is still out there. I mean, that is why it, I believe you see so much writing on the new school style. Like it's all these writings and these articles about the aspirational way and the, the wonderful and perfect way of being a leader, kind of like hitting the, head hitting the head over the people who are still subscribing to old school ways. And you don't hear about it a lot. I believe that there is a special skill in being able to navigate, right? Being able to see and have that perspective taking skill of the folks who are still showing up with old school styles, right? It's kind of like putting your head in the sand to pretend that this old school style doesn't still exist. It does still exist. So yes, just like skiing, when you become a mid-level leader, there was a lot to navigate. There was a lot to learn. And 
there's going to be falling, just like skiing. And so I just want you to remember that when, you, when you're thinking about something and you get worried about making mistakes, like, oh, falling means that I'm learning. Falling means that I'm growing. It doesn't mean we have to like it. Like, I mean, maybe some people do actually genuinely enjoy failing, but I think most people don't genuinely enjoy failing. So I'm not asking you to enjoy it or, or to welcome it just for the sake of failing. But I want you to have that message in your mind to yourself like, oh, yeah, failing means I'm growing. You know, making a mistake or stumbling, that means I'm growing. That means I'm getting out of my comfort zone. Okay, so I want you to start doing that. Now, a couple other things you can do. I want to give you three other tips of what you can do. So if you identify with this perfectionism or anything I've been talking about so far, here's three other tactical they're, they're tactical approaches to mindset stuff, right? Because it's perfectionism, this co comes into the mindset realm. And I wanted to give you something really tangible and tactical to walk away with to practice. So number one is to really get used to noticing non-judgmentally when you're getting into the perfectionist mode. Okay? Notice non-judgmentally. Those two words, they're really, they're both very important. They go together. One is the notice, practicing self-awareness. This is active self-awareness, not just subconscious or kind of a, a side, you know, off on the side of your desk version of self-awareness. I really want you to notice it. That said, I want you to notice it non-judgmentally. So another word I love to use for this is neutrally, like neutral curiosity. It's one of my favorite phrases, neutral curiosity. So notice it happening neutrally, non-judgmentally. And what that might sound like is something like, oh, I'm, I'm having a, a perfectionist moment here. Oh, there's my perfectionism. Oh, that was a little perfectionist. And especially if you can inject a bit of humor into it and kind of like smile what we really want to get into a habit of is noticing without judgment. Okay, so that's number one. Notice without judgment. Notice non-judgmentally. Number two is to really embrace what I talked about earlier about the falling down, about the falling down as part of skiing. Really embrace that mentality. Make your own. You can use any of the phrases I just gave you, or you can come up with your own if you like, but you can borrow any of mine. And I want you to remember that and really practice telling yourself, you know, falling down is me growing. Oh, this is a sign of growth. This is how I get stronger. This is how I will improve. This is how I'll learn. Whatever sentiment works for you, take it. And for some people, it can be really valuable. And I think I've talked about this in other episodes. I've certainly talked about it a lot with clients is put it on a sticky note. You know, put it on a sticky. Take a phrase or a word, whatever, whatever really lands for you, put it on a little sticky note and put it on your monitor. Put it in your notebook. Put it somewhere that you'll see it, right? Some people even will have it on their bedside table or on their mirror in their bathroom, wherever it is, you'll see it. Personally, I love the monitor because it also is quite often when you might get uh, triggered into having some of these perfectionism moments. So take a phrase, put it on a sticky. Then number three is a little bit more involved. So I'm going to explain this to you. 
is well worth learning this little tool that I'm about to tell you. So I learned this tool through my coaching program through IPEC Coaching. And it's their goal setting technique to be able to shift yourself away from the, you probably heard it called a fixed mindset. It's also called a that performance mindset. And that's the mindset of perfectionism. We're focused on the performance and we judge ourselves for that performance. So this method is about shifting away from that and shifting into a learning mindset, into a growth mindset, into a mastery mindset, where we recognize that to achieve mastery, we need to practice and we will fail along the way. Okay, so this is called the ABC method of goal setting. And how it works is that whatever task or uh, event or situation, whatever it is that's bringing up perfectionism for you, you want to look at it and you want to set goals. And we want to do ABC goals. How it works is that an A goal is, is your actual goal. Like what is the result you want from whatever it is that's bringing up the perfectionism. So let's say I'm going to make up an example here, but let's say you are needing to schedule a stakeholder consultation, right? There's something about uh, something about the project you're working on that you're responsible for that you need to do stakeholder consultations. And it's bringing up perfectionism because you've never done it before. And you're somehow expecting yourself to just knock it out of the part right away every time, right? That's the perfectionism. An A goal you would identify as being, well, what is the goal of the stakeholder consultation meeting? Okay, so you identify that. Is it it's uh, gathering information? It's maintaining, possibly maintaining good relationships, really having a good, strong communication between both sides, whatever it is that's your, that it is your actual goal. That is your A goal. Now, we all know that there's a lot around the A goal that's out of our control, right? We can't, we can't control how other people show up. There's a lot of things that can happen. We can't not always control the technology. Maybe the technology breaks down and doesn't, you can't connect. Or maybe your Wi-Fi doesn't connect. So the, the meeting is happening, but you can't get in. Um, maybe you have a really bad night's sleep. And so you're showing up very groggy. You know, there's all kinds of things that are outside of our control. We recognize that. So what you want to do with your B goal is have a backup goal. What is your backup goal? That's kind of like, okay, well, I didn't get my A goal, but what's the B? What would be a B goal? So a B goal might be that, well, um, I, I show up with curiosity. Okay, Maybe it's because you know going into this meeting, can't really predict how the stakeholder is going to respond, but you are going to focus on how you are going to show up, right? And so you set your B goal, okay? And a B goal is really helpful to have to kind of recognize, it kind of gets us away as well from having these such high expectations that just I, I have to achieve the A goal, otherwise, you know, I wasn't perfect and saying, no, 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 it's, that's okay. You can have a backup goal. That's totally fine. The C goal though, that's where things get interesting because even the B goal, we might not get there, right? That's that piece I was I've been talking about, right? We might quote, fail. It might not go well. It's, as hard as that is, it's like, I'm probably putting terror into your soul at the moment, right? The idea of it not going well, of us failing, like, but it might not. I mean, we've, hopefully we've all had that experience, but this is the thing is we have to get used to that. That, that will happen. It is completely okay. 
nothing has gone wrong, right? And the seagull helps us with this because what you want as your seagull, seagull is that you identify no matter what. So no matter what happens, no matter I don't get my eagle, no matter I don't get my beagle, no matter anything, what will I learn from this experience? Okay. What, will, what can you learn no matter what? So again, let's think about this if we're talking about a stakeholder consultation, especially if it's virtual. What can you learn? You can learn how to prepare for a stakeholder consultation, right? Something like that, like a goal that's not, that's not dependent on anything else, right? All the technology could fail. No one could show up. It could get canceled last minute. What, none of that would matter. You would still get your seagull. You would still learn how to prepare for a stakeholder meeting. Okay. Now you can set some other seagulls and I've heard others being set before. It could be things like I will, I'll learn how well I manage in a stakeholder meeting. And that's okay. That's actually, that's an okay seagull. Recognize though, that it is still dependent on certain factors, right? It's still dependent on, you know, the meeting actually happening. So that is something to consider. consider. The value of a seagull is that it's about what will you learn? So it's about what, what is going to be the growth. So no matter what happens, what will be the growth? And it shifts you into that learning mindset, that mastery mindset or the growth mindset, the Carol Dweck's growth mindset, right? It shifts you. It helps you recognize that, yes, we do want performance. We don't, we don't want to not perform, right? Even Carol Dweck has said that she's been very kind of not even misquoted because she's not being quoted, but she's been misinterpreted in terms of what growth mindset means. She's like, no, we still want, we still are aiming for a performance. It's just the recognition that we will grow along the way. And that and there's an extra piece to it. She doesn't quite say this, but they're, the one I'm adding to it and what others have added, especially Amy Emerson's new book, is about the failure piece and the growth that we can have from failures. So let's do a recap then of these tangible pieces you can take away if you also identify as a perfectionist. So number one is notice non-judgmentally when it's happening. Number two is really reminding yourself and, and giving yourself reminders that falling down is part of the process. Failure is part of growth. It will strengthen you. And three, the ABC goals. Really practice that. That is one you might want to come back and, you know, fast forward to this section. But I would love for you to practice setting ABC goals and really thinking about well, what can I learn from this? And then one last bonus a reminder, like I told you at the very top of the episode, that we have the new imposter syndrome workbook that I highly recommend. So if perfectionism is a thing and you know that the imposter thoughts can kind of swirl around your brain, the workbook is a really great resource to dig in and to start thinking about how can you be more self-compassionate? That's one of them. But also how do you shift yourself away from that imposter syndrome type thinking and into a more confident leadership presence type of mindset? So again, that link for the workbook is at uh, themintambition.com slash workbook. Go check it out. And with that, I will leave you for today and we will be back soon with more episodes. Have a good one. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Now, before you go, make sure you click to follow the show. This way, you don't have to go looking for the latest episode. I'll come to you. Just click the plus button or the follow and you'll get the latest episode fresh off the press. Thanks again. And remember that you are amazing. Now get out there and rise.